Well, good morning and welcome, everyone. My name is Kevin, as Dennis said, and I am one of the elders here at Grace. It's my privilege to bring to you God's word that he's placed on my heart from 1 Peter. So please bow with me in prayer before I start. Lord, I do thank you that you hear us when we pray to you. Lord, I ask that you would comfort each one of us, quiet our hearts. Lord, take away any distractions that may keep us from hearing from your word. I ask that you would... Um, Lord, that you would speak through me and to each heart that needs to hear this message that you've placed on me and in my heart today. I ask that you would, um, Lord, just open our eyes to see more of you, to see more of your love for us, to see more of how you want us to have a relationship with you. Lord, just again, we commit this rest of this time to you, for it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So this morning, as, as Dennis said, I'll be continu continuing in First Peter. And this is our third message in our series, and my message today is called Growing Stronger in the Word, taken from 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3. But before I go on, I want to do a quick recap of where we've been so we kind of have an idea of what's coming up next. First of all, uh, two weeks ago, uh, Arthur Shepherd shared Hope for the Ages from 1 Peter uh, 1, 12, uh, 1 through 12, excuse me. And in that, he shared that Jesus the resurrected Jesus, he's our living hope. And as we sung about earlier, he is the hope that we have. He's the hope that we all need for everything that we could imagine in life. So he's our living hope. Also, he shared with us that we live in a suffering and dying world where there's just so much suffering going on, where people are, are going through tragic times and things like that. And because of who Jesus is, we can cling to that and say, he's going to drag me through. He's going to pull me through. He's going to carry me through each thing that I'm going through. And then last week, Elder James Schaefer shared from his message from 1 Peter 1, 13 through 25 about being holy, being holy as the Lord is holy. And what is holiness? Holiness means being set apart. Setting yourself apart from the world and living for God means not doing what the world does, but doing what pleases God. That's kind of what holiness is to me. So on to our chapter where I'm starting at in, in verses 2, 1 through 3 in First Peter. And if you guys have your Bibles, please turn with me, or you can see it on the screen, or you can look on your phones or whatever as I'm reading this passage of Scripture. And I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard Version of the Bible. So let me go uh, start up. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you've tasted the kindness of the Lord. So that's our scripture reference, and I'm, I've got a quick summary that I've put together of kind of how I see these verses fitting together. The first part in verse 1 says, put off these things, put off certain things that are keeping you separated from God. The second part in, in verse 2a is putting on some things, putting on some things that will grow us closer to him. And then lastly, the reward that comes from doing these things in verses 2b through 3. So let's start in putting off first of all. Therefore, putting aside all malice. Now, malice is not a, a word we use very often. What does malice mean exactly? I had to look that up because I, I kind of had an idea, but I wasn't exactly sure what malice meant. And malice means wishing ill will towards someone or maybe wishing harm for someone. And Peter was writing to these people. Now, I'm going to back up a little bit because I want to give a little bit more background of what was going on. Peter wrote to these people who were dispersed, these believers who were dispersed all throughout uh, Turkey. They were facing persecution from Nero. 
Some of them, as Arthur shared with us last week, were human candles, where he just, for his pleasure, he burned people just because that's who Nero was, because he did not like Christians at all. So this is what they were facing, and this is what Peter was telling them. Look, guys, you need to put aside these certain things. Maybe not a full exhaustive list of things, but these things that, are, that you're dealing with, malice, they hated the, the Romans for what they were doing to them probably. They did not maybe pray for them. So Peter said, put that aside. This is stopping you from being able to have your relationship with God that you should have. And next up, we have deceit. Now, deceit, we can, we can define many different ways, of course. Deceit can be just lying, or it could be telling half-truths, or it could be uh, when you are acting maybe like you're not a believer, so you don't have to face persecution. Maybe it means acting like you are a believer just so you will be accepted to the rest of the crowd. So that's kind of what deceit is. <clears throat> Next up, we have hypocrisy. Hypocrisy in the Greek is hypocruso, which means putting on a face like an actor puts on. You go and be someone that you're not. That's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is when you act like one thing in front of your believing friends and you act like somebody totally different in front of your friends who aren't believers in Jesus. So he's telling them to put off this as well because these are important things. Next up, envy. Envy. Now, I'm not exactly sure what the, what the believers were envying during this time, but maybe they were envying, envying the respect that the Roman soldiers got because they were forced to be given respect, first of all, or maybe it was the, the things that they had. But envy, in, in my understanding, is desiring something else, I'm sorry, something someone else has or is with a strong desire that consumes your thoughts. That's what envy is. It's going past just wanting what they have. It's desiring it. It's lusting after it. He's telling them to give up this envy. And lastly, for, again, for these believers, he's telling them to put away slander. Again, uh, slander, we, we think of slander as being a, a word that we don't really use a, a lot. So another translation says evil speaking. He was telling these believers to not speak evil about the Roman soldiers. And maybe even that they should be praying for these folks to come to know Jesus. It wasn't, it's not said there in that section, but you have to at least read into some things about what was going on about why he would say these things. Now again, these were these, to these specific people, and this isn't all the, ver the things that we should put off in our life. There are lots of things we should put off. Really, anything that keeps us separated from God, that's what we should put off. But I looked up some verses um, because I really, really, really wanted to see what they had to say about putting off. And Colossians 3.8 says, but now you also put aside anger, wrath, Again, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Ephesians 4, 25 through 31 is a long section, but it talks about laying aside all falsehood. Stop lying. Stop even portraying that you're lying. He talks about, go ahead and be angry, but don't sin in this section. Talks about, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. So these things that we should put off are, are major things. James 1.21 says, therefore, putting aside all filthiness 
and all that remains of wickedness and humility receive the word, which is able to save your souls. So again, putting off different things that are keeping us separated from God. And I also came up with the verse after I had sent my, sent my message uh, outline in. Hebrews 12.1. And I don't, I don't have that on the screen, so I, can, so I can't even show it to you guys. But it says, lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. I'm asking you guys, think about what is the sin that entangles you? What entangles me? We know that we have sin. If we're honest with ourselves, we will say, God, what, what, what sin is keeping me from you? And give that sin up. Now, uh, it's a, a cute story, but our family was watching a cartoon a couple, a couple weeks ago, maybe a month and a half ago, and on it there was a little girl, a little girl who went to the beach with her family. She built a bird out of a stick and some sand in the sand, right? And then some other little children came by and knocked it over. The little girl was very sad. She was very angry. She talked about it with her father, about how angry she was. And her dad said, my child, what you need to do is you need to take off all this anger and all this hatred and all this stuff and throw it away. And that's a great illustration of what we should do. Now, we can't physically take the anger out, but we can make a mental decision or a, or a, a big decision that we're going to put these things away from us, that we're going to stop doing the things that we should stop doing. We're going to stop sinning against God and against others around us because what separates us from God is our sin. Even though we're believers, that fellowship gets broken when we're, when we're sinning against God. So we need to give that up. So next up, you know, we can't, we can't leave with just putting off. We also have to put on something, okay? And, you know, I, I think about uh, uh, people who are exercising or want to lose weight. They have to stop doing some things, right? They have to stop eating too much. They have to stop eating bad food. They have to stop sitting around. They have to stop being lazy. And they have to do something different. They have to eat nutritious food. You have to maybe get out and exercise. Maybe you have to eat smaller portions. But whatever it is, you have to stop doing this and start doing this over here. And that's where Peter goes to next with this. He says, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word. Now, you guys, I'm sure have seen babies, obviously. Babies, when they're hungry, you know they're hungry, right? They want that milk right away. Nothing will stop them from doing that. They'll scream, they'll fuss, they'll fight, they'll do whatever's necessary. And our hunger for the word should be as strong as a newborn baby hunger, baby's hunger for milk and food. Okay? That's what, I, that's what we should see. We should be so desiring to have his word in us that there's nothing that should stop us from doing that. There's nothing that should stop us. So when it comes to God's word, we should be taking in his word like it means life or death to us because it really does. If you are not in Christ and you have not taken in the word and you have not committed yourself to him, there's death that's coming. So again, there's lots of reasons that we should take in God's word. One, because it's powerful. Two, it's able to discern the thoughts and intents of each of our hearts. That's what God's word is, according to Hebrews. The word is strong meat for the mature believer. Strong meat. It is something that will sustain us. 
It will keep us going even when it looks like everything around us is crumbling. I know that in my life personally, when struggles have come, I want to run to God's word because I can get comfort there. I can get the peace that I need. I can get all that I need just from God's word and from praying with him also. So in, we know that Jesus, when he talked about when he was tempted by Satan, you know, Satan said, why don't you turn these rocks into bread? And Jesus said, oh, whoa, 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 no. Word says that I should, uh, that I should be, uh, live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, not on just bread alone. So that's what I should do. So we should be hiding God's word in our hearts. Why? So that we don't sin against him. Scripture says that in Psalm 119.11. Scripture also says in Hebrews that we should diligently seek after the Lord. How can we do that? By praying and by spending time in his word, getting to know who he is, getting to know how much he loves us, getting to know what he expects of us. We should be doing those things so that we may grow in our relationship with him. And that's, I'll be talking about that in just a little bit. But some more things that we should be putting on. Romans 13, 14, excuse me real quick. says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lust. What does that mean? How do I put on Jesus? Well, there, well back, back about 15 or 20 years ago, there was this bracelet that they had that said WWJD, what would Jesus do? Now, I don't, didn't always agree with everything that it talked about, but put yourself in that situation. How would Jesus react in the situation that I'm in. Well, we know, what he, we know how he reacted when he was going to go to the cross. We know how he reacted when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. We know how he reacted when, he, when, when Lazarus died. He prayed and asked God for whatever he needed. Next up, I've got another great verse here, Ephesians 4.24. Put on the new self. The new self is the believing self. The new self is what, is, is what we're given when we become believers in Jesus Christ. The new self, which is in likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness. We're supposed to put that on. Another verse is uh, Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Put on a heart of compassion for others around us. A heart of compassion that wants to reach out and say, I know my friend doesn't know Jesus. I should go talk to them. Or I know that my friend doesn't know Jesus, but I should pray for them. Or maybe I know that my non-believing friend's wife is going through cancer. I can ask him if I can pray for her. People, it's amazing how people will accept prayer who are non-believers when somebody in their life is going through stuff. So reach out to them. So put on a heart of compassion. Put on kindness, put on humility, gentleness, and patience. And this is all out of Colossians 3. And lastly, he says, put on love. Put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. That's what we should put on love for everybody around us. So like I spoke about earlier, when we go on a dieting plan or when we want to lose weight, we do a lot of different things. Some of them aren't easy to do. It's hard sometimes to want to get up and go run five miles or 10 miles in a day because that's what we do. But we have to do the hard things 
in order to grow. We have to do the hard things in order to, to, to grow in our relationship with God as well. We, again, like I said, have to put off things that are hindering our relationship with him and put on things that are, 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 are going to cause us to draw closer to him. And only then will we reap a great reward, which is being closer with God. And in just a minute, I'll be getting to that great reward uh, that's coming up. So I'm going to read verses 2b and 3 here. It says, So that it, by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you've tasted the kindness of the Lord. Now the salvation that's spoken of here is not talking about when we become a believer and we come into God's family. This salvation is more better understood as what's called sanctification, or I like to say more being conformed into the image of Christ. That's what sanctification is. As God works in us and as God works through us, we begin to do a couple things. We begin to sin less, but we're not sinless because we want to do what God wants us to do. I think of sanctification as well as we are God's sculpture, and he's the master sculptor who's chipping away the pieces of us that need to be gone so we can become more like Christ. Maybe he's taken away our anger. Maybe he's taken away our our, our just selfish desires and giving us his desires. He's changing our hearts of stone to be hearts of flesh. There are areas in most people's lives, even believers, where we're keeping a little part of our life maybe separate from God because we don't want God to have access to that. But we need to open up and say, God, you have full access to all of my heart, all of my life, everything I am. So as we spend time in the Bible, we'll reap a lot of benefits. We'll know who God is more. But we also know that, as I spoke earlier, the Word is powerful. We know that God's Word is able to build up our faith because the Scripture says so. The Scripture says faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the Word of God. So we know that will happen for us. And we know many, many more things about, about that as well. But let me talk also about what this tasted the kindness of the Lord is. Some uh, translations have, and I like the, the, the word better, if you've experienced the kindness of the Lord, or since you have experienced the kindness of the Lord, you'll want to grow, okay? So experience, tasted, you know, we use that word tasted in lots of different ways, you know? And really in this situation, it really does mean experience. So how do we grow in our relationship to God? First of all, as our relationship with God grows stronger, we'll, we'll have the hope that, that Arthur spoke about. We'll have the hope that knows that no matter what goes on, God's in control of all things. Number two, we'll have, as our relationship with God grows stronger, we'll be more and more holy, or as we understand holiness, being set apart from the world. As our relationship with God grows stronger, we'll trust him more. Why will we trust him more? Because he's carried us through so many things in our life that we've given to him. We've said, God, help me through this. And God does. We've said, God, I need, and fill in the blank. And God usually gives that to us as we need it. So our trust will be built. 
Ooh, love. I like love. As our relationship with God grows stronger, we'll experience more and more of his unconditional love as we confess our sins to him and as he forgives us our sins. We don't understand unconditional love because we're finite beings, but think of it as the love that a parent has for a child where we'll do anything for them within reason, of course. We'll jump in front of a car and push them out of in front of that car if necessary. That's unconditional love. So we can, we can understand a little bit, but not everything. Lastly, at least in this section, as our relationship with God grows stronger, our faith will increase. I can remember when I was a new believer, way back in the day, 20, 30 years ago, I guess it was now, 30-something years ago. It seemed like every time I prayed to God, he would answer my prayer very, very, very quickly. And I understand that he was doing that because of who I was and what my background was. I needed to know that he was real. So he would answer my prayers very quickly. As I've walked with him more and more, God has said, hey, I'm not going to answer your prayers as fast as I used to because I want you to act in faith on whatever it is that you're asking for prayer for. So God has not answered my prayers always as quickly, but he does a lot of times. So it's again, for me, it's an act of faith just to ask God and ask God and ask God, knowing that he's going to answer. We know his answers are yes, no, and wait. And sometimes the waiting is the hard one, of course, for each one of us. And, of course, there's many more ways we can grow in our relationship with the Lord, of course. But what is this kindness of the Lord that the Scripture talks about here? Why, why do we even need to think about what this kindness is? And, again, I shared it just a couple minutes ago, his love. His love for us, that's his kindness. His love for us in the sense that he sent his son to die in our place, to take our punishment for sin and if you think about it, Jesus didn't take mine or yours. He took it for all of the whole, the whole entire world. And I'll get to that in a couple minutes as, as I talk more. Um, we, his mercy. His mercy that does not punish us for eternity because of our sins. His mercy that doesn't give us what we deserve for what we've done wrong. Whatever it is, whatever sin it is. And on the opposite side of that, his grace. His grace that gives us blessings that we don't deserve. His grace that gives us all things to enjoy. His grace that gives us peace, maybe joy, and all these other things that his grace gives us. Lastly, for this part, forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins doesn't mean we won't face consequences for our actions, but it does mean that as we go to God and we confess these sins, he will, as the scripture says, cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we confess our sins to him. So, we'll, so, we, so the kindness of the Lord is forgiveness of sins. And that right there is a huge one. And lastly, I didn't, I didn't put this on my slides, but I came across it and I was like, this sums up what the kindness of God is. According to Romans 2.4, the kindness of God leads us to repentance. Should lead us to repentance because of those things up here. His love, his mercy, his grace should lead us to repent. Now, that word repent, not everybody knows what that means. 
It means turn away physically from what you're doing and walk towards God, whatever sin you're doing, and walk towards God. That's what repentance means. So I have to ask, does God's kindness lead each of you to want to repent of your sins? Me to want to repent of my sins? And to be honest, yes and no. Sometimes we don't, we don't want to. Sometimes we like that sin too much. But we have to do, like I said earlier, and put off those things and put on what we should be putting on. So, to sum up the kindness of the Lord, Jesus is the ultimate example of that. God sent Jesus to pay for our sins, so that's love, mercy, grace, and forgiveness of sins all in one little package. That's what the, the, the kindness of God is. And I, and, and I was thinking the other day, and I was like, there, there, there's something that I, that, I, that, I, that I know I want to share, and God finally brought it to my, to my memory. It's the poem, Footprints in the Sand. I don't know if you guys know this poem or what have you, but from this poem, we can see the kindness of God. And the poem basically goes like this. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it basically goes like this. One day a man had a dream that he was walking with Jesus on the sand. The man looked back at his life and saw one set of footprints until he became a follower of Jesus. Then he saw two sets walking along. And as he was looking back at his life, he noticed something very, well, distressing for him. He noticed that when he was going through trials and struggles and just the tough stuff of life, there was only one set of footprints. And he was amazed. He said, Jesus, what, 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 why did you leave me during this time? And Jesus said to him, my son, I didn't leave you. I was carrying you during those times. And that's the kindness of God right there is the fact that Jesus is there for us all of the time. So again, as I said earlier, God's unconditional love is hard to grasp. It's totally hard to grasp, just like God is hard to grasp in, in our finite thinking. And as Arthur shared a couple weeks ago, mercy brings relief. Grace brings blessing. And are we experiencing those two things? If we're not, maybe we should do a reality check and say, hey, God, am I uh, walking with you or am I not walking with you? Am I putting off the stuff and putting on the stuff or am I just kind of coasting? So because of the experience and the biggest reward, which is the kindness of God, we should be willing to do anything, and I mean anything that he calls us to. If he calls us like he did to Jonah and says, go to your Nineveh and share the gospel, Remember, Nineveh was, it was the enemy of, of the Israelites, but God called Jonah to go. Or maybe, like Abram, who he called to go to a faraway country from, from his own and live among these other peoples. Now, Abram didn't, wasn't sent there to share the gospel with those around him, but we should be if God calls us to do that. Maybe he calls us like he did Paul calls us to go share the gospel with the rulers of our day, whoever they might be. Maybe going down to board of education meetings or commissioner's meetings or, or, or even, I know some have sent letters to the president. 
sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel. So I want to ask you each question, and then we'll get on to the application part. Have you come to the place in your life where you have experienced the kindness of God? If you have not, do not leave this place, please, without coming and talking to one of the elders or somebody on staff here or or, or somebody about how you can experience the kindness of God, the love, the mercy, all the things that he gives us. I don't want anybody here to leave without experiencing forgiveness of sins and the penalty that 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 goes with that. So lastly, application. You can't really give a message like this without some different things that people should do could do, or maybe that they just, sounds like a good idea, but they don't want to do it. So I'm going to give you some of these things, and I'm going to ask you guys to each ask yourself these questions. Will I put off the things that are separating from me, me from God? Will I do this? That's your first question. Second question, will I put on a hunger for God's Word? Well, I want put on a hunger to know God so much better that when I see myself, I see myself like Paul did where he called himself a wretched sinner because he was so close to God that he knew what was in his heart. Lastly, am I willing to grow in my relationship with the Lord even though that may include pain? And by pain, I'm talking about we're going to have to put away stuff that we don't want to put away. We're going to have to put off stuff that we don't want to have to put off. We're going to have to give up stuff that we don't want to give up. We're going to have to maybe go through trials. But as Arthur talked about a couple weeks ago, we're all going to go through trials. We're all going to go through tribulation. The important thing is, would you rather go through them with God or without God? And I would vote with God, of course, all the time. So, wrapping up my message, I probably shouldn't go past today without talking about that big game that's going on today. Um, And I don't really know who's playing, and I don't really care who's playing. My point is, those athletes that are there, and those coaches, do you think they had to put off some things in their life in order to do that? Some of you who've played sports, you've done two-a-days or three-a-days, three practices early in the morning, in the afternoon, at night. These folks had to give up a lot of stuff. They had to give up maybe hanging out with friends because they were too wore out or maybe because they were hitting the gym or whatever it was. They had to put on some things. They had to work out. Working out stinks sometimes because you don't want to do it. It hurts sometimes, but you know you need to do it in order to to grow. Um, They had to put on being away from their families. Now, some of them, you know, their families are coming with them, but their families don't go to every game with them. So they have to do do away with some things in their life. Um, And they're doing all this to receive the reward of being in the big game, as I call it. The things they're striving for are temporary, but the things we are striving for are eternal. And we should be striving to be more like Jesus. 
by putting off and putting on, keeping our eye, our eye on the reward, what's ahead of us, what the reward is. The reward is eternity with God in heaven with no sin around at all because sin will be gone in heaven. Can you guys imagine what that's like to be that in such a different place than we are now? So in closing, please bow with me in prayer again as, as we go in prayer. Lord, I do thank you for your word. I thank you for your word that's able to build up our faith. I thank you for your word that's able to conform us to the image of Christ. I thank you for your word that's able to build us up, for your word that's able to increase our faith like I spoke earlier. Lord, I just ask that you would work in each of our hearts for us to see the things we need to put off and the things we need to put on Again, looking towards a reward, which is in heaven. These things should be easy because of that reward is so big. But sometimes we make things so big and difficult. Um, So Lord, help us to put away anything, and I mean anything, that's keeping us from you. Whether it's spending too much time on the internet or gaming or whatever it might be, Lord. Sports, help us to put off those things that are keeping us from you. Take away any, any idols that we might have in our life. Anything, again, that we worship more than we worship you. Lord, I ask that you would, again, work in us, work through us to reach others. And I ask that you would, um, well, Lord, help us to see what we need to be in order to be who you want us to be. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.